everyone, and welcome back to Video Store Nightmares, the podcast where we discuss the strange, the bizarre, and the satanic films of the VHS era. Tonight, we're talking about another nunsploitation film, 1975's Satanico Pandemonium. My name is Luke, and I'm joined by Leland. Listeners, you can find 1975's Satanico Pandemonium nowhere online how sad very surprising there is a dvd from mondo macabro that is not very expensive so um and i'm sure there's a blu-ray release as well that i don't have so um, i'm sure that you know if you want to see this film there are ways but it is unfortunate that it's not on streaming normally these older films aren't on streaming because of you know, hardcore material, but uh, this film has none of it. Yeah, I, I mean, it definitely, there are parts of it that feel sleazy when you're watching it, but it definitely doesn't verge on some of the nastier nunsploitation out there. Right. I mean, this might be um, partly due to our inoculation to this kind of material. The main character probably does spend about 20% of the film topless. But compared to, like you were saying, other things, that's pretty vanilla. Yeah. Yeah, the worst you get in this movie is like wearing uh, spiky belts and whipping oneself in the back. But this, so this movie was directed by Gilberto Martinez Solares. And he was one of the most um, famous and successful directors in Mexico. He made almost 200 films. Um, He would make like five to seven to eight films a year. He didn't direct a lot of horror. From my understanding, there's an interview on the DVD with his son, Adolfo Martinez Solares, who is one of the writers on this movie. And so... The way it was explained by him is that he was offered the chance to write this movie, and he said, I'll only do it if my dad directs it. And so that's how his dad got involved with directing it. But I, I, it's pretty competently directed. Yeah. I, it, I mean, that kind of describes the direction. Like, there's nothing flashy about it. It's not like Alicarda where there's this heavy, style, stylistic... Um, symbolism, uh, surrealism, like none of that is here. Well, I wouldn't say that this film is necessarily grounded in some sort of reality. I mean, okay, it's it's a film about satanic possession, right? But like the world itself isn't necessarily grounded in anything, I, I don't think. But it does not have that ethereal feel of a la carta. Yeah. But I do think it's a good companion piece. Like, if you want to understand Mexican horror, like, I think these are two films that you had that are must watches. And they both happen to be about nuns and possession. That said, Alicarda is vastly superior. There's no contest. I don't think the distance is that vast. Um, I think they're pretty similar in quality. No way. The the worst, like, basically how I feel about this movie is that for the first, like, two-thirds, it's kind of boring. There's, 
there are interesting things happening, but having seen the movie before, there's there's not enough of a plot to like keep me engaged. But then in the the last third is awesome. Like from beginning to end, I love everything about it. You so it kind see, of you can't say beginning to end when you're talking about the last third of a fucking film. That's not beginning to end. That's like sort of end to end. <laughs> well, I just feel like that period of the film rescues it. Uh, okay, I do agree with the rescue part. Uh, but but you know, if you compare that to a la carta, the the entire fucking movie is like a roller coaster for different reasons. Yeah. What I well, I'll save it. There are certain things that I really like about this movie that kind of win me over that Alucarda does not have. And it's mostly like a depth of character where like I think I think Cecilia Pezet, or if that's how you pronounce her name, uh, who plays uh, Maria, the main character, I think she can actually act. Like I think her performance is good. Oh yeah, for sure. I, I would I would wasn't gonna make the claim otherwise. The acting in in satanico pandemonium is great i guess i mean yeah you there there's a lot more like depth of character that's revealed in this movie i feel like than in alicarda and that that's one of the things that like wins me over um so let's talk about the other performers um well cecilia pezet first her career up to this point was kind of mysterious to me like i was trying to get a sense of what kinds of movies these were some of them seemed like soft core some of them seemed like just sex comedies um but some of them seemed like maybe mysteries or other um dramas uh so i think she kind of acted in all kinds of things but um after satanico pandemonium she only made one other movie and then she stopped acting I think I could see this movie kind of killing your career if that's what happened. I mean, anything Central South America around this time was ultra religious, right? Yeah, this movie was a big hit when it came out, but it was also seen as blasphemous and they barely got it past the censors. I was going to ask if they even marketed this in the home country it was filmed in or if they just sent this shit international didn't even bother no my understanding at least based on the documentary that's on the dvd is that it was very successful in mexico so how does that kill your career well because it typecasts you as like the sleazy nun i don't know i can just see especially in an um in an environment that's more conservative where a movie like this would be seen as blasphemous, like it would be hard to escape that role. If most of the movies she was in before this was like, I don't know, South American Mexican crime films. Like, is this really that much of a jump? Like if it's the same level of sleaze, just add some blasphemy on the side and like suddenly your career's over. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I don't know one way or the other. I'm just um I'm just guessing. Uh maybe uh I don't know, maybe they're like other film producers that were just afraid to touch her after that. Yeah. I don't know. The guy who plays Satan, he had a huge career. He was in eighty three movies, so this didn't slow him down. I think he was like 
a, kind of a heartthrob actor. Um, he was, I, I think he was on a lot of soap operas and things. That's sexist. And her career, he keeps the go, he keeps going. Yeah. Enrique Roca. It kind of bothers me on IMDb that he's top cast number one. He's in the film, what, 4% of the screen time, maybe? Yeah, he, he's not on screen very much. But I, I can see, like, who else is a lead in this movie? Aside from Maria. This movie is Maria, right? Like, she dominates the film. It, it's she hard to, to say. Dominate. Like, she is the center of almost every scene. Like, if she is not initiating conversation, then it's her by herself, like, suffering or introspection without voiceover, by the way. I think it's great that this film doesn't have voiceover. Oh, me too. And I, her performance is so good because at any given moment, I can tell, is she being tempted to do something? Is she enthusiastically doing it? Is she reluctantly doing it? Like... I have a perfect sense of what's going on internally. There is a question of how much of this is voluntary on her part. I mean, this is satanic possession, right? I don't think... I am reluctant to say that anything supernatural happens in this movie. I'm not convinced it does. Yeah, the end does kind of cast an odd light on everything that happens the prior hour, 20 minutes. Well, there's a reason for that. So we can get into the ending later on, but basically that was the way they got it past the censors, is if this had all been real, if everything that transpires in the movie is real, then that really castigates the Catholic Church. And But if it's all possibly a dream, then that gives the Catholic Church sort of a scapegoat. That was the way he described it on the DVD. It, if in a modern age, I would call that a cop out, but it's sounding like he didn't have any other choice. Yeah, I mean, I'm the fact that this movie got made at all in Mexico at the time it did. I'm I'm really surprised. I I do think the ending weakens the film a little bit, but not horribly. There, I have ambivalent feelings about it. The final person we should talk about is Dalia Magana, I guess is how you say her name. Um, she plays the mother superior. And uh, I think she was, I'm not positive, but she was in a lot of movies, a lot of uh, 130 movies. And a lot of her earlier stuff looks like really glamorous, where maybe she was like a Betty Davis type, where in her younger days, she was the like a heartthrob, and then later on she became like an old crone. <laughs> That's how I imagine her career being. <laughs> like if you check out her photos on IMDb, they're they're really like old Hollywood glamour. Mm, yeah. And then she just hit that point in old age where she just lost like five inches in height and shriveled up. <laughs> I guess so. I mean, that's how she comes off in this movie, whether she's playing uh, older or not. This is the most like grandma, mother superior I've ever seen. Yeah, I also, I couldn't tell how much I liked her. Like, I couldn't tell if I was supposed to distrust her for some reason. 
I don't think she has any qualities that are supposed to make you question like her her motivation. She's a mother superior. This is actually one of the very few nun movies we've ever seen where the mother superior doesn't have some sort of ulterior sadistic motive. Well, the worst thing that she does is she makes the black nuns sleep in the basement. Oh, that straw. is terrible. That is her, isn't it? And and, oh. and they have to serve the other nuns. Okay, yeah, that's pretty bad. Yeah, so you I know, didn't know that was the same character. I didn't. I didn't put that that together. I. <laughs> there is an interesting side plot in this movie. Wait, about... is it? Is this? Is this the part where we're supposed to say? But it, it was a different time. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm never gonna say that. Yeah, it, was, it was pretty shitty then. Wait, was this like 1975? <laughs> <laughs> it's not even the time. <laughs> I mean, the oh. movie is supposed to take place in an older time period, and maybe that's why the racism is here. Maybe they're trying to telegraph to us when this is taking place. I don't know, but there's there's really the the movie doesn't pretend it's okay actually our hero like maria sympathizes with them and like tries to comfort them um but i it's an interesting side plot for the movie i i am woefully ignorant of mexican history but i was pretty sure there were slaves that escaped to mexico to be free are are we saying that or is it implied that that, that, that they didn't have any higher better level of treatment when when mexico when mexico won independence it abolished slavery so it had slavery but it abolished it earlier than the united states did right so did this happen after the abolishment and this woman's just like upholding some outdated cultural values that's what i thought because there's a conversation where one of the black nuns is like uh, you know, I came to this convent to try to get away from being treated like a second class citizen by the outside world. And, and now I'm treated badly here, too. And she's very frustrated. I agree with you that this is the most interesting subplot. I never, ever expected to watch a nun movie that would go in this direction. Yeah. So this is the this is the worst thing the mother superior does. Right. Um, but all the other nuns seem okay to be okay with it. Even Maria, when she's trying to comfort the black nun, is like, well, we just have to, ex like, our lives are not our own. They're, they belong to Jesus. And it's kind of like, you just have to get used to it, accept it. I guess it's always the privilege to get away with saying that shit, right? Yeah, especially Maria. Maria is seen as like the purest nun. She's the nun that all the other nuns look up to. And my the implication is that she thought she was going to be Mother Superior before the current Mother Superior showed up. But there's a huge difference in age. Like she seems very young to be a Mother Superior. I'm not sure how old she is supposed to be, though, in regards to the story because she not only is a nun but she has like a back a soft background in like veterinary medicine yeah i mean kind of her her cures are more um holistic than they are pharmaceutical she like burns some mint herbs or something 
Yeah, it's it's where you take a couple random shit off the spice rack you forgot you had. You boil it and puff it to cure pneumonia. <laughs> anyway, we don't have a trailer, but let's play some music from the movie and then we'll talk about the story. I have no idea what a synthesizer looks like, but I can just imagine some guy on on like a re- recording booth, like holding one, just like fucking going ham. In this time period, a synthesizer would have taken up like an entire wall and would have been a massive keyboard. Just just shit on my dreams. Sorry, they they were huge. But if you look at like look up videos of people playing them, it, it's pretty cool. I like I like a lot of that early like synthesizer experimental music. But whoever was in charge of the synthesizer, almost all of the music in this movie uh, follows the same vein of just wailing on this motherfucker. Yeah, I I like the music a lot. I I think it um, lends a lot of atmosphere to the movie. It does. It's just odd. It's an odd choice. I mean, there, there's the traditional stuff too, right? Like you have church bells in the background and, you know, the, oh, at some point, you know, you have nuns singing a chorus. Yeah. But then it's just like the synthesizer jam when Satan shows up. Maybe that's yeah. what it is. Maybe it's just when Satan shows up. I, I think it mainly is. So let's talk about Satan. Um, Early in the movie, our main character, Maria, is out wandering in, like, idyllic meadows and forests, and we see birds chirping and all of this. And then uh, she suddenly stumbles upon a naked man. And he kind of appears and disappears, and sometimes he's clothed and sometimes he's naked, but he consistently offers her an apple, and she consistently refuses. Did... What did you think of all this? Our first introductions to Satan. You know it's Satan. Like, he doesn't say his name right off the bat, but you know it's Satan. Oh, yeah. It's obvious. Um, it's like this, this statuesque, like, Spanish love hunk, completely naked in the woods. I mean, you never see anything below the belt, but, like, you know what he's there for. Yeah, and so does she. Like, she immediately runs every well, she, time. Yeah, she turns him down. Yeah. Because she's so pure. Right. She is the most pure of the nuns. So the the idea is if Satan can conquer her, then he can corrupt the whole convent. <laughs> I guess every nun's flotation film's like that, right? There's the one like super nun that you have to turn. <laughs> 
Well, I I think she makes a good super nun. Like she portrays innocence and purity and evil equally well. It's all contrasted with that uh that like distinctive sky blue like robe set that they all wear. It's like specific to Mexico, right? I don't know. I mean, think about the nun outfits in Alicarda. They were like the mummy wraps. Oh, that. Hmm. So I don't know. Maybe it just depends on the convent and different convents have different clothing styles. I'm going to look this up real quick. Why are nun robes blue? I, I need to look this up. Okay. Because I'm just now thinking about this. What if blue nun robes are only in like a only in film? That's possible. Because I've never seen blue nun robes in real life. Have Me you? neither. Order of the Most Holy Annunciation, a Roman Catholic religious order known as the Blue Nuns. Sisters of Finding Jesus in the Temple. So it looks like it's just like uh, an order thing. Some of them wear blue. Gotcha. Normal right. black. So we all learned. we all learned something today. But we switch to um, after this is when we meet the mother superior and her first introduction is like she's yelling at the black nuns. She's calling them filthy animals and like criticizing them for not getting anything done, even though they're slaving away in the kitchen. This is not a good look. I did not realize this was the mother superior. Yeah, no, it's a real it's really bad. The the nuns for dinner, they just eat like a little plate of beans. That just seems like a traditional like religious penance thing, right? No fun allowed. I guess so, but I don't even know that that's sustainable, like eating that amount. Well, it is Hollywood, so they're not all going to depict the the non the nun convent as a bunch of malnourished like women with hollow bones, right? Like you you can't show that. But they they would if all they ate was that little plate of beans. <laughs> anyway, while they're eating, the devil keeps appearing and disappearing in the window and like an apple appears and disappears on the windowsill. I thought all of this early stuff, the like exposure to the devil was really cheesy. I didn't it, it didn't is. work for me. Yeah, the the disappearing reappearing with no special effects out of thin air it's very silly <laughs> it feels like like six like 60 star trek special effects like compare that to a la carta where like things merge and appear from shadow it looks more well i don't want to say natural but it looks better on film well she can uh, maria continues to have visions of the the devil of the naked man and so when she gets back to her room, I guess she wants to distract herself or pay penance for her sin of lust with pain. And so she has this spiked belt that she wraps around her waist and ties off so the spikes dig into her flesh. I mean, it sucks, but compared to a la carta, you know, this, this really ain't that bad. Yeah. I've now, I've now kind of come to expect that Maybe you're going to see this in non-convents in, in film. I don't, maybe this was actually a thing. It was, it was, I, I mean, the, 
I know it was a thing like during the Middle Ages. Yeah, but I mean, like, sorry, I meant like in the now context and like a 70s context, because I keep forgetting this film was not actually supposed to take place in the 70s. Yeah, I mean, I don't know when it's supposed to take place, though. It's hard to tell. They never tell you. When, whenever it is, the, the black nuns have to sleep in the basement on straw. So <laughs> there's that. But um, she also whips herself on the back with like a... It looks like a knotted up rope. It yeah, doesn't look like classic, it would hurt that classic. much. That's the classic. Yeah, but it, it doesn't look that bad, right? I think it has like small bits of metal in it. Because when she does turn around at some point, like later in the film, she has scars up and down her shoulders. Yeah. Is there anything else we need to say about her taking care of the, the cow scene? I think it's just supposed to establish that she has some sort of like quote unquote modern um, sensibilities for taking care of animals and the sick. Like it's not all just thoughts and prayers. Yeah, no, she's definitely supposed to be like the best nun, the super nun. You're right. Like normally in these kinds of films, you would have like, oh, this sister came from this background and like this troubled home. And like, that's why she's in the convent. And that kind of establishes her prior knowledge. Um, In this film, it's just like, this is what she knows. And you don't, I mean, you don't really need to know all that stuff, but. No, I would rather it not go in that direction, honestly. Yeah, yeah. But the whole time she's taking care of the cow, the sick cow, she has that spiky belt on. So by the time she gets back to her room, she's all bloody. But there's this nun watching her from the corner. And it's a surprisingly long time where we would we just watch her watch uh, before Maria notices. This reminded me of when Alucarda comes out of the shadows in Alucarda. I have the movie playing in the background and I totally forgot that they make the black nuns sit in a completely different room at a small table. Yep. They aren't, a, they have to serve the other nuns dinner and then they don't get to eat in the same room. This comment sucks. Yeah, it really does. Do you think that the screenwriter is trying to make some sort of uh, like social statement here? Maybe. I think it was, I think it's just a way to like, try to be historically authentic but it just comes off as i don't know mean-spirited and unnecessary to be fair it was mean-spirited and unnecessary then too <laughs> yeah that, uh, that's what i mean uh, so it just it just seems like an unnecessary feature of the movie but at least the movie seems to be against it like it doesn't seem to sympathize with the racists but anyway, what do you think of this nun that just emerges from the shadows? Maybe Alucarda stole stole this this shadow merge from this one this one scene. Was this movie earlier than Alucarda? By like two years. Okay. Maybe three. Well, she confesses that she's in love with Maria. Yeah, but and... see, like, okay, so they can do they know they can do stuff like this. But then for like Satan's nonsense, they just have them like popping in and out. Right. It's that's why I think the movie there's like really effective attributes about it and there's really not effective parts. And it, 
unfortunately the effective parts are kind of lumped into the last third of the movie but yeah they do do some cool shit but this is like a full-on rape scene where the the nun forces herself onto maria and kisses her and starts to kiss her all over but maria doesn't put up much of a fight maybe that's why she initially pushed satan away because she was not interested in men oh maybe so you know the lord of dark the prince of darkness satan realized this and came with a different approach pretending to be this nun yeah because after this the nun transforms into satan and uh he tells her that he'll always be there that he's everywhere that if she ever needs him or wants him she can just call and then he just vanishes did this scene like did it make you uncomfortable mm, yeah i mean i just i have a problem with rape scenes like and i they're not these aren't the worst ever um but they're still uncomfortable for me to watch well it's not comforting but we've seen so much like blasphemous shit at this point that it, it's harder to be shocked yeah so for whatever reason um maria is starting to be seduced I guess. Do you think that she's becoming possessed or do you think that she's being seduced by the temptation? There's a very slippery slope here because she was forced upon by this uh, pseudo other nun, right? But she right. didn't really fight it off. If the conclusion you make is that she wanted it, like she did not object to what was going on, then you can say that was falling into temptation right but yeah. there's a lot of other parts of this film that stray away from that kind of like lust that go in a completely different direction and it was kind of difficult for me to tell whether she was herself descending into like base animal instincts or if this was actually her being used as an instrument to commit evil. And this is ignoring the fact, the end. Like, is if you if you want to consider the end through all of this, none of it needs to make sense in theory. Yeah, but you, you're right that it's not clear, and I wish it was more clear um, whether she was being possessed or whether she was being tempted, because that tells us a lot about her character. Like, the answer to that question is really important to the plot, if you care about the plot. And I don't I'm not most people watch these kinds of films for the plot. No, but it's our job to analyze it on this show. Like, this is what we have to do. I mean, I don't mind the plot for a film like this. Yeah. I'll be hypercritical for it. I mean, I would be hypercritical even if we weren't recording this. But I think most people would, at the time, would be going to see this because of the absolute the drama that this film probably caused when it came out. Like, oh my God, nuns doing what? That's terrible. Where where are they showing this so I don't see this? And and then they get a ticket. Yeah. I, I mean if 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 the racism and the rape weren't bad enough, in the next scene, <laughs> evil Maria 
starts to try and seduce and force herself upon what like a 13 year old boy how old is he supposed to be i don't think quite 13 well they never say his age in the film but i would say i would be surprised if he was 18 oh no he looks very young and i think his character is supposed to be young i think he's supposed to be like 13 but the actor how old do you think the actor be i don't know oh you um, know what we we can math this we have we have imdb we said oh true okay 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 so okay i don't know the i don't know the actor's name <laughs> um daniel do you think it's daniel hang on oh they don't list the character names no they don't that's why some of these entries don't even have a date of birth for the character or for the yeah character. so it's right. it's hard many, to tell there's so few men on this cast that on one hand you could just click all the male names and see if like you know you see some kind of date of birth for the actor but I guess this movie is so obscure. The people in it are so obscure. They don't have fleshed out entries. Well, I think that's true of a lot of Mexican cinema. Like, I think there's a whole world of Mexican cinema that's only just now being discovered. Um, at least I have started to hear about more and more Mexican horror films from the 70s and 80s just recently. Um, so I, I think that's cool. Like, hopefully there's a lot of cool shit to discover. But anyway, I don't know how old this actor was, but I think he's young. I don't think he's of age. It is the 70s. I don't think this was a very regulated. Yeah, there's a very uncomfortable scene where she meets... His name is Marcelo. She meets him down by the river, and she starts by like burying her legs and dipping her toes provocatively in the water. Um, and then she starts saying, you're a man, aren't you? Do you want to show me how much of a man you are? Oh, it starts off as you're going to be a man soon. And then right. it immediately transitions into you are a man. Show me. And she pushes him down and starts to kiss him. And he is clearly uncomfortable and does not know what to do. So he runs. Guess he wasn't a man, right? Ha ha. Uh, <laughs> no, it's... uh. It's so uncomfortable, and if, like, you couldn't get away with this now. Well, they got away with it in the video, Dead. In the video, Dead? Yeah. I don't remember it in the video, Dead. <laughs> the, uh, the the one kid gets kissed by a much, much older woman. It, it's like the a woman in the TV. Oh, okay. All right. No, I'm remembering now. Sorry, I forgot about that. I was thinking you were talking about the bride zombie. I think there's a scene where she's attacking him and she kisses him. There's also, oh man, like if you go through like 90s children's films, like where the the main protagonist is like a, a young boy under the age of like 13 and there's like an older crush adult interest, like there's so many films where they like kiss and it gets really weird. Yeah, but I guess in this film it's non-consensual and that real that just pushes it over the limit. Well, technically it's all non-consensual because minors can't consent. No, I get that. I just mean it's a <laughs> plot device. It's a plot device that the character is not consenting. 
Well, you know, this kid properly reacts to stranger danger and runs home, but then I guess he doesn't tell anybody about it. Well, what what would you say? Like, um, Grandma, the this nun that knows our family suddenly tried to kiss me. Like when you were, if you were 14, you'd be embarrassed to say something like that. Yeah, that, and I guess even if he did say something, who would believe him? This is Sister Maria. Right. The purest super nun. <laughs> and you're telling me that she tried to seduce you, a measly farm boy, down by the river. Uh-huh. But she is acting strange. Like at dinner, she freaks out because she sees a snake come out of her cup. And everyone gives her weird looks because they don't see anything. Yeah, snakes like to show up in the weirdest places in this film. She opens a, a, a tomb in like a, a stone coffin in like a mausoleum at some point. And inside there's just a snake chilling in a skull. It's like, yeah. bro, how, who put that in there? <laughs> well, how, how is it alive? It probably <laughs> just wiggled its way in there through the cracks. No, man, that shit is locked solid. It's stone on stone. I mean, it's not airtight, but you ain't getting in there as a snake. I don't know. Snakes can squeeze into some pretty tight spaces. Anyway, yeah, she hallucinates a lot of shit that other people don't see starting from from this point. I like how the snake jumps, kind of jumps out of the metal mug. Yeah, it's um, it's do you think it's an effective jump scare? Like, does this movie have jump scares? I didn't jump at any point. No, I didn't either, but I could tell that the movie was going for it. And that was kind of surprising. Like it told me that maybe they were trying to emulate American filmmaking. Perhaps. But anyway, later that night, uh, since sister Clemencia shows up at her room crying because her shoulder really hurts and she thinks it might be serious. And I guess Maria is known to heal humans as well as animals. Um, she wants her to take a look at it. But Maria says it's the devil's mark and that she has one too. And we get another uh, sexual assault scene. But she escapes. Yeah. She starts to make out with her and pushes her to the ground. But um, Clemencia runs it, does Maria su successfully stab her, though? I thought she stabbed her in the shoulder. Now that I think about it, let me see. I'm pretty sure that Maria stabs her in the shoulder, which was confusing because after that scene, she doesn't seem to be injured. Oh, you're right. She does get stabbed in the shoulder on the way out. Yeah. And then this just never comes up again? No. <laughs> <laughs> there, there is a scene where Clemencia gives uh, Maria a weird look, like a "I know what you did" look, but that's the end of it. She never says anything. This knife goes in almost all the way to the hilt. Yeah, I figured it would be like a debilitating injury, but the movie doesn't mention it again. And in the time period this movie was supposed to take place in, you you would just die from an infection. <laughs> One would think. But the mother superior sees Clemencia running from the room. And so she shows up wanting to know what's wrong because she can tell something's troubling Maria. But Maria won't say anything. Um, she won't admit to anything except that she says since Sister Clemencia is very sick in the head. I don't know if the mother buys this. 
oh, I don't think she does at all. I think she knows she's lying. But if one nun stabbed you in the shoulder, would you go to the mother superior? I mean, I know you're not a nun, but just pretend you're a nun in a convent. Yeah, but maybe she would feel too guilty about like the impure thing that she did. What was I the mean, it, what, it wasn't consensual, but like in Catholicism, who cares? Uh, yeah, that's right. Mm. So she doesn't want to out herself. Right. Hmm. That's how I thought about it. But it just seemed like an unrealistic thing to be able to keep hidden. No, you're right. I think I think that's spot on. But I mean, it, it, mask masking this kind of injury is so implausible. But I suppose what is plausible in this film? Yeah, I mean, another thing that never gets spoken of is in the next scene, the black nun who was saying that she wanted to kill herself earlier in the movie is tying a noose to the ceiling and putting it around her neck. And uh, in Maria... The in the kitchen, no less. Yeah, in the kitchen. And Maria runs up and pushes her off the stool so that she'll basically have to do it. And nobody brings this up again after this. So first off, this seemed really unnecessary because she was going to do it herself anyway, right? Right. But two, I don't think it's unusual that we don't hear the fallout from this because apparently this person wasn't seen as being one of them anyway. True. So to have one of them suddenly not in their lives anymore would probably just be a minor footnote. I would just expect some scene where like it, she was discovered or they mentioned like, Hey, you know, sister so-and-so hung herself last night to hear nothing of it was strange. I'm saying that might have been intentional, but that's how little this person meant to the rest of the convent. Uh, I don't know. It doesn't work for me. But there, there is a... I still, it's, I still think it's crazy she ran in and pushed her off the kitchen counter. Like, <laughs> she was literally about to do it herself. No, it, I mean, at this point, she's either possessed by the devil or she's fully given in to the devil's temptations and wants to, like, experience evil for herself. Oh, is that the temptation? Because I, I could understand if this woman have, was, like, sliding into, like, lust, right? Like, she has been suppressed her whole life and that that is what she is trying to live out now, that she is under... Um, I guess the thumb of Satan, right? She's trying right. to live out all of this lust, flesh lusting sin that she was denied her entire life. But then how does the murder play into that? Because it doesn't seem like she ever wanted to murder anyone. So how is that like breaking out here? Yeah, I didn't see it as like breaking out of sexual repression or whatever, because the only people she goes after sexually are like she's not interested in Satan, even though he tries to seduce her. She's interested in corrupting other nuns and corrupting an underage kid. Like it's it's about being evil. It's about the corruption. It's not about like living out a fantasy. That's right. how I saw it. Okay, so it's the defilement fantasy. That's what I think. Yeah. Like in the next scene, she goes to Marcello's house and she tells his mother that she's going to bless him, but when she goes in the room, she actually gets naked and crawls into bed with him. Wait, wait, wait. Do not call this a room. It, it is the entire house. 
<laughs> they're they're the only thing separating Marcelo, the Maria, and his very elderly mother, grandma. No, she's grandmother. Is a thin curtain that doesn't even cover the whole side. Like it's well, just it goes out a few feet. Yeah, I mean that's probably for like you know filming reasons, right? But yeah, uh, you know I guess grandma is kind of nodding off. Maybe that kind of helps. Yeah, Maria does peek out and see that she's kind of falling asleep at her spinning wheel. And that's when she gets totally naked. But like before, Marcelo is uh, not digging it. No, he he fights, but she overpowers him and kisses him and eventually grabs a knife off the floor. I don't know why it's there, but there's a knife on the floor. And she pretty violently stabs him to death. I figured she stabbed him because he was resisting so much. Yeah, I also think this is part of the reason why I, I think that, like, I don't think that Maria is actually possessed is because she seems to, after she does these evil things, she doesn't seem to know what to do. Like, she seems to panic, right? And that strikes me as somebody who is, like, who has done something that they aren't enthusiastic or weren't enthusiastic about doing in the first place. If they weren't enthusiastic about doing it in the first place, doesn't that mean that maybe something possessed them to do something that they otherwise normally wouldn't be comfortable with? Yeah, but I don't think it's a supernatural possession. Like, I don't think Satan is inside of her. So so what kind of possession is it then? I think, I think that she is... Either she is actually seeing Satan and he has tempted her into like the power that comes with being evil or she's delusional and she's having hallucinations of satan and she's just becoming evil you know psychotically well this whole scene is probably possibly a delusion because mm -hmm. after she like admires her handiwork in horror um Marcelo turns into his grandmother. Yeah, I was very confused by that. So instead of him being in bed, it is grandmother full of stabs, stab wounds. Yeah, so we don't really know. I mean, we find out later that both of them are dead, but we don't really know who she stabbed and who she didn't. She is kind of shocked when the grandmother pops up. She knocks over what an oil lamp into a, candle, a hay basket or a candle into a hay basket, and so of course yeah. the whole house just is a giant tender box covered yeah. in blood. She puts on all of her robes over it before leaving. I mean, what would you do? Like, how else could you do that? Uh, I don't know. Use another cloth to pick up your clothes. Leave the house. It's nighttime, and then wash off in the river. Then put your clothes on. I guess. I Maybe think they're felt... washing their own clothes at this point because half of the help just killed themselves. Yeah. I mean, maybe as white people, they're above that. I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, how else would... Okay, so if these two black nuns were not being, like, subjected to this treatment in the convent, who would be cleaning their shit? I would presume, like, I always assume that all the nuns chipped in and, like, did the labor. 
because the the impression this movie gave me is that they were forced to do everything. Yeah, that's what I suspect. But then when half, you know, when you're down from two to one, like that one person can't possibly make up all that that work. So they have to be washing their own shit at that point, right? I guess so. I don't know why I'm trying to rationalize this, mur- like hiding a murder in what the 1800s or what the fuck ever this is supposed to take place during. Yeah, we don't know. We don't know. And this likely didn't happen within the scope of the story anyway. No, that's true. But we'll get to that at the end. It's it's a pretty immediate turnaround. Like she sneaks back into her room and then it seems like an hour later, a couple of nuns knock on her door to invite her to the funeral. She changes really quick. And then in like the most shady way possible is like, I want to see the bodies alone. I want to I want to <laughs> manipulate the evidence before they're buried. I mean, she says she wants to pray for them, but she she says, I want to be alone with the bodies, which yeah, the way she says it is very suspicious. And I don't know if it's a translator error or maybe just the difference in language. No, because the other nuns seem to think it's strange, too. Like they give each other a weird look and then they start to follow her like. I think they're like, what the hell? Why would she want to be alone with the body? And she wants to be alone with the bodies because her nun pendant. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All the nuns wear this pendant. Was apparently ripped off in the struggle that may or may not have happened with the farm boy. And so she is in the church trying to pry this rigor mortis burned hand open so she can get her pendant back. Yeah, the uh, the the bodies don't seem that burnt. No, but do you want them to be? I I don't know. I expected <laughs> like, they would be like ash. They would be like charred. But like, yeah. you, maybe that would have been too far, right? Like they got to have something. That was the line. Something low tier. Yeah, maybe that was the line. Maybe they didn't have the makeup capability. I don't know to to portray that kind of injury well i actually think this scene when she's prying the medallion out of the uh the boy's hand and the mother superior sees her i actually think it's really tense like i thought it was well done you know i think you probably could have tried to play this off but instead maria just runs (laughs) (laughs) yeah she she (laughs) responds a lot of characters respond to situations that way in this movie (laughs) just run close the door and wait for the problem to go away (laughs) but the mother superior uh follows her and comes into her room and she says something like your evil knows no bounds yeah your sin knows no bounds yeah Uh, what did did she just assume that um she that maria murdered them like what sin is she talking about well, I, I think the mother's been suspicious that some shit's been going on. So maybe it's just like a culmination of everything she has suspected thus far. But really, if you just look at it, grave robbing by itself is is a pretty serious sin, especially for a, a nun convent. Yeah. Like we're talking about a nun convent where if you like, it, it's a sin to fart the wrong way. And and this woman was just caught pulling something out of a dead person's hand. Yeah. 
but the mother superior says that she'll be judged by the Inquisition. And Maria says, I'm not innocent, but I have the devil in me. And she says that she's more powerful than God and doesn't fear hell. All of this gets the mother superior to slap her in the face, which um, the mother superior immediately falls to her knees to repent, which I, I would think like you could you would have the leeway to slap the devil. I would say this is maybe this is a nonviolent covenant, but um, they totally lead an inquisition later. So I don't know. Yeah, well, uh, a rope magically appears in Maria's hands so she can use it to strangle the mother superior. The least stylized way for this rope to appear. And it's just this nice, pure, white, clean rope. Yeah, it just materializes. Which was totally unnecessary. Like, she has the whips right there that she uses to whip herself in the back. She could have just used one of those. That would have been so much more metal. Yeah. There's, there's, it, it, she could have even strangled her with the metal belt thing. Nope, you get pure white rope. Yeah, that materializes out of nowhere. But she says, I've always hated you ever since you stole my place here. And that's what made me think there was some sort of subplot where Maria was supposed to be Mother Superior. So I could see, you know, the devil taking on some, like, dark, dark, like, deeply planted seed of jealousy within within Maria's psyche and growing it into, like, this fucked up tree that causes her to murder, right? Like, I could see that. This right. is the first murder in the whole film where I could be like, okay, I understand the motivation here and how Satan could have potentially played on Maria's deepest, darkest feelings to to turn her to evil, right? Like, I get that. Yeah, I agree. And what's funny is that this mother superior is like a short stack, what, 4'11", maybe? Maybe. And this body that she wraps up in the sheet and starts dragging all around the convent is like a, like a normal like 5'7", five, 5'8". <laughs> <laughs> but it is small enough that she can lift it by herself into a crypt. Well, she doesn't even lift it. She just drags it like thump, thump, thump down like the concrete stairs. Yeah, but she does. She has to pick it up to put it into the crypt thing, the stone crypt that she pulls out because she puts it on top of another body on top of like some old skeleton. Um, right. Now, my immersion is bursted here because this is a woman that's supposed to be on like two dinners a day of being strength. And she's able to right. put a body into a coffin. Right. That's why I was pretty surprised. So the way I justify the way I rationalized it was to think, well, the mother superior was probably really light because she looked really small and old. Luke, just accept that Satan works in mysterious ways. I have. I have long accepted that. But this is the point where I started thinking, like, I guess no one discovered the black nun's body or or no one cares. What do you mean discovered? Uh, as far as we know, she didn't even bother taking her down because it was a suicide. Yeah. There was nothing to try to hide. Just no mention made of it. Um, because there's 
there's a funeral procession, right? Where like the entire convent comes out and marches behind the caskets of Marcelo and his grandmother as they're being carried. And I was thinking, you would notice that there are nuns missing right now. Like the mother superior and that black nun are are nowhere in this funeral procession, but nothing is said about them. They really take the disappearance of Mother Superior pretty... Very casually. Yeah. Is it even mentioned? No, and this is... You know, this is... Okay, so on on one hand, right, that's kind of bad writing. But on the other hand, when you consider the ending, maybe it can make sense? True, um, but I'm not altogether happy with the ending, so... Yeah. But... I did notice at the funeral, Clemencia is giving uh, Maria the side eye. Like, this is the only time where I was like, all right, she actually holds, uh, she remembers that she was sexually assaulted and like stabbed in the shoulder with a knife. But it, whatever it is, she's, it, Maria sees something in this scene, something that makes her, uh, that upsets her enough to make her run away. But I didn't know what it was. I didn't get it either. She just she's like looking at the people's dirty hands as they dig the graves and then she panics and runs away. Totally mother superior material right here. Right. She trips and falls in the mud and she has this realization where like she prays to God. She says, um, if she only loved him in fear of hell, then let her burn in hell. And if she only loved him for heaven, exclude her from heaven but if she loved him for him, then she is his. So I guess this is her renouncing Satan and turning back to God. I don't think you can just renounce Satan, right? I feel like it's it's kind of a, once it's done, it's done. Like once you're tainted, you can't be cleansed. I don't like, know isn't I that the word. whole thing of Christianity is to like cleanse your sins? Uh. Well, maybe I guess Catholicism's like that, right? Because you just pay some money and then you're clean, right? You yeah, maybe you're good. But it feels like there are some lines that can't be crossed. And if you become like a devil worshiper, like is there really <laughs> coming back from that? <laughs> no, I, especially not if you murder the mother superior and hide her body in a crypt. It's sort of like. Uh, you know, it, it, it's like when you have like one government, like pick over a spy from another government, like there, there's going to be like this really uneasy relationship where, you know, you're, you're like, yeah, thanks for helping us. But, you know, you're also a betrayer, so we can't really accept you, you know? It's yeah. Like that, but okay. with divinity. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this is where Satan appears and tries to tempt her into serving him again. He says that he gives her a choice. He says if she'll if she'll follow him, he'll make her the mother superior and give her power. And if she doesn't follow him, then the Inquisition will torture and kill her. And I wasn't it like the movie skipped the step where the other nuns of the convent figured out she'd done anything. Okay, okay, but hear me out. This is a movie that's entirely through Maria's perspective. Would it take you out of that perspective to show a bunch of police nuns around a table, like, doing their own investigation? 
Well, I, I that makes sense. I had also thought maybe they were always going to make her mother superior and the devil just tricked her into thinking that they were going to inquisition her. I have a theory, but we need to wait till the end. All right. I I mean, yeah, the ending throws all this to hell. Like literally, yeah. Yeah. And so then after he's talking about the inquisition, right? He like gestures towards the camera and then suddenly it's like this bright valley and you see the nuns like marching across the green except they're all holding like burning crosses and torches that are they look like torches from like a doctor who story like the branches are like curved <laughs> like a naturally curved that we also see glimpses of um of her torture like that she's imagining so we see like molten lead being poured into her mouth and um and other things uh i thought this I mean, that was pretty... first that, that first thing would just kill you like i don't know why they start with that that's like the thing you end on yeah i would think you would die right away <laughs> yeah they got the funnel with molten lead they tear an eyeball out they rake her you know all all the normal inquisition stuff well as she's imagining all of this she cries out that um, she'll accept Satan's bargain after all. Wait, first, doesn't she say like, you know, fuck you. I'm I'm done with your Satanism shit. Yep. And then she imagines the torture. Yep. And then she's like, oh, yeah, never mind. Come on. Let's 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 do this. Yeah. All it took was some imagining of torture. <laughs> was it really an imagining or was it like a, a definite vision of the future via Satan vision? Uh, uh, who knows? Yeah. It can't be known. Was there even an Inquisition in Mexico? I don't know. I mean, I think that the entire world was like aware. The entire Catholic world was aware of like Inquisition. Hmm. I just always thought thought it was like a European specific thing. I don't know. I have no idea. Hmm. But the torches the nuns were carrying all instantly become flowers. And crosses covered in flowers. Right. And instead of like capturing her and torturing her, they immediately start to beg her to be mother superior. They tell her she's the purest, the most virtuous um, of all of them. And all of this is so ironic, right? Because she, we know she's made a bargain with Satan. This scene is so weird because it's clearly shot on a soundstage with like a really fake cave and like a, pond that's probably plastic <laughs> and, and see what i was thinking during this scene is i was trying to figure out okay either a satan can control the behavior and the beliefs of all of the other nuns in which case why does he need to seduce or like capture anyone he's already got total control over them so that's what led me to believe that, no, they were always going to make her mother superior. And he just tricked her into thinking that they were carrying torches. It's not clear which one's happening. That's a possibility. But I think we're ready to discuss the ending. Yeah. So that I can drop my nugget of truth. All right. All right. So we're, we're made aware at some point that during all of this time, Maria has been in a fever state because she has the plague. We're skipping a giant step here. 
after she's accepted as mother superior, they all go back to the church, to the convent, where, to her surprise, the other nuns are in a, like, sudden bacchanalia. Like, they're dancing in circles and topless and playing instruments and eating things that aren't beans, like fruit and um, drinking wine. Drinking wine, right? And then Satan's in the background, you know, pretty cool with everything that's going on. He's like, hey, this is this is what you wanted. Have fun. Make sure you let the village know that y- you accept their uh, their request that you be the mother superior. And then she looks out the window and it's a bunch of sheep. <laughs> <laughs> and everything's like, everything's Gucci for like two minutes until suddenly one nun stabs her. And then another nun stabs her and all the nuns stab her where she then bleeding and full of holes staggers through the hallway to her bedroom, collapses on the bed and is suddenly materialized into what is probably actually happening now, which is as Luke described her last moments being infected with the black plague. So my understanding based on the interview is that that final scene where we find out she has the plague, that that was added to get around the censors. And of course, during the scene, you see all these characters that were killed actually being in good health. You see the mother superior, you see the nun that committed suicide. Um, The farm boy and his grandmother like walk around on the the front of the, the convent. You know, give their blessing because they hear that Maria has passed. So essentially, none of this bad shit happened. Either it didn't happen because it was all hallucination or it allegorically happened. Like there was a battle within her mind for her soul and the devil won. That That is my theory that this, this woman got Jacob slattered. Yeah, that's... Except she did not make it out on the other side. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I think, too. I, I think that this is all about a battle for her soul and that the devil wins. And that whole twisted moment where she comes back to the convent and all the nuns are like cavorting naked and acting hedonistic, that's like her hell because she was the purest nun. She was the most virtuous nun to her the fact that all of these nuns were corrupted by her behavior, that's like horrifying. You know, throughout this entire runtime of like hour 20 and some change, she never once bites into an apple. No, she doesn't. But she does have sex or appears to with the devil in disguise as a nun. So maybe that counts. But yeah, I, I think that the best way to look at this film as is as a... Uh, this was some sort of grand test and she failed. I actually, I don't like the the final part where we find out she has the plague and that this has all been a fever dream. Like I'm not a fan of that. I'd, I'd rather it hadn't been in the movie because I think the previous scene where she comes back to the convent and everyone is like in hedonistic craziness. I, I think it's really effective. Like it's a really disturbing scene. Um, where Satan is like, basically, you got what you want, your mother's superior, but like, here's what your corruption has wrought. Um, 
And I think that that's, that's really intense and disturbing. Um, it, it really had an effect on me. We should mention here, Satan is looking like Count Dracula. This is big popped red collar. Yeah, his outfit is really dumb. But maybe this was, uh, it was the 70s, so big collars were in. <laughs> Satan's got that mid-70s drip. Yeah, exactly. So were you a fan of the ending? Did, no. did you like the no. twist? No. <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad it ended up being just like a necessity to release the film. It's like if you have to decide between your film never comes out and settling for this, I think you have to settle for this. Yeah, I, I don't think it's bad. I, I don't personally like it, but it does add another dimension of the movie and you get to think about it as like a battle for her soul, which I don't think is a bad interpretation. And I mean, we don't, we, we both love Jacob's Ladder. We didn't mind it there. So maybe yeah. we can just accept it here. Yeah. It did it first. It did it first. True. Anyway, you want to give final thoughts and a rating out of four? The bottom line is that if, if you are looking for the king of the hill of non-sploitation films, I think a la carta beats this movie in spades. It's not even close. But... This this is a worthy, like silver medal contender. I'm I'm not super familiar with Nunsploitation, but this is a pretty cool film, and it's actually kind of a shame that it's so hard to find online. Um, com- compared to some of the other stuff we watched, this is pretty tame, and you would think this would be somewhere more accessible, whether it be YouTube or Archive.org or something like that. Although Archive.org is um going through a pretty nasty legal struggle right now. I don't know how much longer that site's going to be around for what's worth. I've never used it. Um, it's usually not used for pirating movies. It's usually used for um, pulling up old websites that are no longer viewable literature that is free, uh, copyright free, but otherwise, you know, harder to find anyway. Um, I have the the party playing in the background and the suicide nun is still wearing her noose at the party. Like she's alive. Yeah. yeah. Man, why does anybody trust the devil in these movies? I have no idea. I feel like it's kind of a it's kind of like a propaganda thing, right? Like if you if you go to the devil's side, this is definitely what will happen. But it comes off as like disingenuous. Because if if you're someone who's just trying to get people on your side, it doesn't seem like it would help if you just constantly backstab your followers. Like I could understand like self-sacrifice for power, right? You know, you have to commit evil to get some sort of advantage in life. But that doesn't mean like you just get fucking greased like two minutes into the agreement every time. This is Christian propaganda. I mean, compare this to say like the Vivich, right? Where... It, there's kind of just like an upside to all the evil that happens. Like, yeah, there's a great sacrifice in that, but you know, that's her life now. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the bottom line, I don't like this film as much as like something like uh, a la carta, but it does have its moments. The first half of the film is kind of a slog if we're being honest, but it, it's worth holding in for the last half. This was my first time watching this movie and I was unaware of what, the ending was going to be and at first it was very disappointing 
like that's all it's all just a dream but maybe you can look at it as something different with them through a modern lens see it like in that jacob's ladder style where this was a test of her faith that she just failed even if that might not have been the intent at the time of them writing it like do you think that was possibly just not the intent they were just like oh it was just a dream none of it happened no the way the writer described it in the interview was that he wanted it to be open-ended where you could wonder, was all of this a hallucination? Or you could wonder, did all of it actually happen? You could say that, except Satan is seen in the closing shot of the film in front of the convent. Right, so it doesn't quite work the way he was describing. But I do think there's like the possible interpretation that there's like an allegorical battle going on for her soul. Yeah. So with that in mind, with with that interpretation in mind, um, I think this this is probably like a two star. It, it, it's just missing some ingredients that really push it farther for me. Like if the movie focused more on Maria's descent into evil being more like personally identifiable to her. I, that would have gone a long way for me, but she does give a really good performance. I think all the actors give good performances here. It's just, I wish there was just a, a little bit more there to kind of connect the nuns to just this generic descent into evilness. Yeah. I, I mostly agree with Leland. I think the first two thirds of the movie are kind of difficult to get through. There's just not a lot that happens. And I mean, if you're a non-sploitation fan, you get all of the things you're looking for. Like you get nudity, you look, you get nuns making out, you get lots of sexual assault. Um, although none of it is like horribly graphic, um, you get nuns self-flagellating and uh, torture scenes, and but it's it's not. There's nothing plot-wise happening except that Maria has some encounters with the devil. Like there's no plot to keep me engaged. That's the biggest problem with the movie. Um, other than that, I think like the last third is pretty awesome. Once the events get rolling, like I'm, I'm hooked. Uh, I do wish it was more clear what was going on. Like, is she possessed? Is she just tempted by evil? If she is tempted by evil, why? Like, I think a lot of the actor's performance gets it over the hump like it adds some clarity some emotional clarity to the role that otherwise wouldn't be there because the writing is lackluster so i just wish we knew more about what was going on and i wish that twist ending wasn't there but in terms of like a sleazy nun movie you have pretty much everything that you could ask for here i think that there are some things, particularly the acting and like some of the nuance of the characters that this movie does better than Alicarda, but all of the supernatural part, which I'm not even convinced anything in this movie is supernatural. Um, it could all be in Maria's mind. Uh, whereas in Alicarda, there's definitely supernatural shit going on. And I think um, it, they're good companion pieces because they're like different parts of the non-exploitation canon, albeit both from Mexico and around the same time period. 
I'm going to go with three stars. So that's it for Satanico Pandemonium. Next week, we're going to do one more nun movie uh, going back to Italy for 1993's Dark Waters. This is a pretty cool movie, Leland. I had not heard of it until uh, just before we started recording. It's about a girl who is her father has died and before he died he had gone to this mysterious island and founded a monastery and so she goes to the island to try to understand why it's not a nunsploitation movie but it does have bad stuff happening to nuns that said i'm not sure where you can find it online just yet but it's definitely not on youtube or tubi I have VHS tape, but it's out on Blu-ray and DVD. So um, hopefully people have seen this or or know what it is. I think Severin put it out. It's directed by uh, Mariano Bino or Benio. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Anyhow, so um, check it out if you haven't already and join us next week. Until then, you can follow us on Instagram at video.store.nightmares. Leland, do you have any last words? Thank you for your continued support beautiful we'll talk with you all next week about dark waters have a good one everybody